0: So let's get down to business with another episode of Start a Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io.
1: And we are back. Thank you for joining us for yet another episode of the Start a Hustle podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Conaway, founder and CEO of Innovate Her KC. And I got to tell you, friends, today's episode of Startup Puzzle is powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult, but Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably. And they have the platform to help you manage that team. Visit Fullscale.io or click the link in the show notes to learn more. All right. So we have a very, very innovative guest with us today and we're going to be talking we're going to be talking about beauty. And I will tell you that our guest who you may or may not be able to see right now has some beautiful eyeshadow on that has already been a point of conversation. But we're going to be talking about all kinds of things with today's founder Stephanie LaFlora, CEO of Crown Hunt. Stephanie, welcome to Start a Hustle. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here. Oh, wonderful. Let's get right into it. And I'm going to ask you the perennial question. Tell us about your journey, Stephanie.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I am a, a rebel. I think that's foundational to my journey. Um, Always been one. I, I feel like I flipped uh, being a rebellious teenager into figuring out how to use that rebellion to do things that matter. Yeah. And the thing that I've been working on most recently is... Making life easier for folks with curly hair, which could sound trivial, um, except when you consider that I stumbled into this problem because I was rejected from several salons in my neighborhood by my job that could not style my hair because of the texture of my hair. Wow. And, yeah. So, um, you know, being the rebel that I am, I uh, saw this as a problem to be solved. And even though I wasn't in the hair industry, I was in tech. And so I thought uh, of a solution to do that and worked with a bunch of incredible folks to do it. So um, that's always been foundational to me. It's just finding things worth doing and, and being courageous.
1: You're well, and I mean, you, you say that you're a rebel and I absolutely believe you. And I, I, as someone who has a touch of rebellion about her myself, like much respect, game recognized game but what really stood out to me and what you were just saying like you're you're an entrepreneur at heart like you saw a problem and you wanted to solve it and i love the fact that it's something that you experienced in your own life Let's let's set the stage a little bit, though. So for those of us, those who are listening out in the audience who might not understand why curly hair or textured hair or so like I have super fine thin hair, like talk to us about why the texture of hair can be such an important factor in maybe how people view themselves in their, mm-hmm. their own perception and self image. Talk to us a little bit about that. What is the real problem?
0: Yeah, so I mean we live in a, a interesting melting pot culture in this country. Um and we are constantly evolving and 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 developing our awareness of those differences and our appreciation of those differences I think as a culture. And yeah. throughout that process, uh there have been all kinds of subtle and not, and not so subtle uh messaging that goes to people. Um and one of the the ways that I think this country has made it feel like you're not welcome is with hair texture. Um, Mm -hmm. So people with curly, coily hair have a host of problems. Uh, One it has been extremely difficult for them to find a stylist that can actually style their hair. So they can't just go to whatever salon, they have to go find a specialist or they have to find someone that's usually from their own community, ethnic background in order to be able to find somebody who style their hair. And that's because they hadn't actually, they hadn't taught, how to do uh curly hair in mm-hmm. cosmetology school until literally like last year was the first year that, wow. that schools were starting to do that. And that was all coming out of the, you know, cultural awakening that we had in 2020. Right. So you couldn't get your hair styled easily with, with someone knowing what to do. It was very difficult to find products. Um, that's been something people are discriminated against at work and at school. Um, being sent home from school, being denied uh, jobs or being asked to change their hair once they get the job. These are things that really happen. And that's why there's something called the Crown Act.
1: I was going to ask about the Crown Act. I knew that that was coming. So <laughs> for those of you who are not aware, the Crown Act is a piece of legislation that was recently enacted in parts of the country basically banning discrimination on the base of hair texture. And so what Stephanie is talking about is you know, if you have a hair texture that it's very difficult to like put you have to put chemicals in it and you have to like change the structure of the hair often to make it look quote unquote, professional for for working environments. And, and that's not easy on hair, right? So sometimes it is easier on hair, the structural integrity of the hair to do things like cornrows or dreads, or it, it makes hair maintenance much easier. But those hairstyles tend to be viewed as unprofessional. And P, as you were saying, Stephanie, people have been discriminated against because of this, even though they... They're they're all they're doing is simply not acting against their hair's natural texture and what it's doing. So I, I'm putting the Crown Act out there, and I want to make sure I, I'm checking my understanding. Like, is that your general understanding of it? Like that was my general gist.
0: Yeah, I think that that that's accurate. Um, what you said is really protecting people from discrimination at school and at work um, yeah. based on the texture of their hair. And to so just kind of add on that, not only is it difficult to check the professional box when the standard is uh, Eurocentric.
1: White hair. The standard right. is
0: white hair.
1: Like Let's <laughs> right. just say my Even hair. though there are
0: millions of people who are white yeah. like, who have curly hair. <laughs> right. Um, but I, it's not only is it difficult, but it's actually dangerous. So um, yeah. there's lawsuits out right now about chemical hair straighteners being tied to cancer. So yeah. it's, it's, it's actually, it's really quite deep actually yeah. when you consider not only is this something that is natural to me, imagine if the standard was that you needed to have an Afro to be professional. Yeah. How would you go I about would be that? so screwed. I could never <laughs> do it. <laughs> and imagine, but then furthermore, imagine if no hairstylist could make that happen for you. There were no products in the stores for you to get access to that. And yeah. the chemicals that you could buy to do it yourself could give you cancer.
1: Well, That's and so really like, what we're talking about. Here. Right. Well, and so, so just as a, for instance, and kind of bring it back to what Crown Hunt does specifically. So one of the things that I've heard is that often Black actresses in Hollywood, they mm-hmm. have to hire their own hair and makeup people because the mm-hmm. predominant mm-hmm. knowledge base of makeup artists and hair artists that are hired, they know how to handle white hair, but they can't safely and efficiently handle Textured black hair. And so often these actresses, and and this is an inequity. Like this is just an example of the kind of inequities that we see that is very much inextricably linked to hair and hair texture. And it's not fair and it's not right. And you see these kinds of situations and scenarios play out all over the place where there are deep disadvantages to having curly hair and having textured hair, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) So that that's what Crown Hunt.
0: Addresses. Yes, Crown Talk Hunt is. How. <laughs> yeah, Crown Hunt is a platform where stylists can get education on styling curly and coily hair, and it covers the foundational aspects: cut, color, just regular care, um, hair extensions, all of the above. In order for people to be able to actually learn how to style the hair, so these are online classes that can be continuing education for a licensed stylist.
1: Yeah. Well, and one of the things so I so I have a set list here and it kind of gives me like little data points and things that might be interesting to talk about but I'm actually fascinated by this because I I was not aware but apparently 65% of consumers have curly to coily hair textures. And so by educating the stylists in how to to do this work well, you are actually opening them up to whole new customer bases, right? That's
0: correct. Yes. So um what yeah do you and
1: yeah, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: <laughs> no, I was just going to say and that's that's part of, you know, the mission is is empowering these um what I call really industrious entrepreneurs because they haven't been given the skills really to thrive and now they're being able to like gain some new skills and make some more money.
1: Yeah. Well, I love that. And we're definitely going to drill down into Crown Hunt a little bit, but I I I just there's something very interesting to me about you and here it is. Um so you you didn't start out thinking that you were going to do this for a living, did you?
0: <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> well, I don't know how far back you you go, you want to go, so right, or how right much. Right now, you know. just to give you a little <laughs> guidance, I'm looking
1: at a BFA in screenwriting. Okay, that's where <laughs> that's I I'm we were looking going at. With this. Yeah, 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 um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Tech so, company in the beauty industry. <laughs> Something had to have happened in there. <laughs>
0: Yeah, this is a good point. Um so, uh I am a rebel and part of that is because I I'm an artist. That's yeah. actually really what I am. I am you a sto- I'm a really. storyteller. I'm a storyteller. And that was always what I th- that's all that I ever wanted to be is a storyteller. I thought I was going to have crazy hair. I'm going to be tatted up, which I do have tattoos, but you know, I just thought like (laughs) I wasn't interested in anything related to corporate anything. I went to college in LA. I worked in Hollywood. Like that was, that was my path. Um, And so it's a long journey, but throughout that I have always anchored in this storytelling and I have become, really interested in consumer experiences as they relate to stories, the story yeah. of our, our culture in this country, the story, the personal stories um, that people have. And so I'm, I, through a, a osmosis found myself in these business environments and then was very interested in tech. So I pursued tech on purpose um, because of all of the incredible stories that can be told through products and services. And that sounds really like kind of cliche, like I'm forcing it, but I swear I really, I learned that these stories can be told in really incredible ways, where you can really reach people through products. Yeah. So that's kind of well, like and I mean, it's <laughs> clearly
1: it started with your own story. You know, again, yeah. you saw the problem, you identified it, and then you started figuring out how to solve the problem. But I, I can imagine that there's probably a lot of power in realizing and then being able to activate around other people's stories, the other Mm -hmm. women, Mm -hmm. I'm going to generalize and just say women for this particular conversation, but like the individuals, the humans who experience the exact same thing and Mm -hmm. experience that frustration over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we talk about a lot is like death by a thousand cuts. Like it might Mm -hmm. not be super irritating to not be able to find a stylist who can work with, uh, with your hair. If it happened one time, Mm -hmm. But when you experience it over a lifetime, like it's Mm -hmm. just there's a lot of frustration that builds up like this thing that should be easy that other people seem to be able to easily access is not available to me. And Mm -hmm. that's really, really frustrating. Right. And that's a piece of narrative. Like that's what you're bringing out. You're like, hey, let's talk about this frustration and then let's fix it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And then like understanding how deeply these things connect with people. And being yeah. able to 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 mirror that experience in your marketing and in your storytelling is the thing that I love to do the most, and so I really connect with that whole narrative and I kind of discovered this throughout a process of experiments that that these two, uh, both my tech background and my storytelling ability and my empathy, because I think as a storyteller, you have a lot of empathy. You're, you're You're trying to reflect what you see in the world and tell the stories authentically of other people. And so I think that all of that kind of came together in this interesting gumbo that has led to me being an entrepreneur. And I love it
1: yeah well i love that too and I can definitely see that rebel piece of you coming out just a little bit because you're like i'm not gonna do this the traditional way I'm gonna do this my way <laughs> so and i and i i adore that about you but really let's talk about how you got into tech because that mm-hmm. that's It's not always the easiest uh, field to enter into, particularly as a woman, and then, hey, quadruply so as a woman of color, I would imagine. So can you talk to us about how you entered the field and how you kind of started putting that piece of your, your expertise together?
0: Yeah, I think I always start everything that I've done in my life has started with like some deep curiosity. I love to research. It's just like something I love to do. And so I was deeply curious about um, the tech industry and in particular apps and different things like that. Um, It was now 11 years ago. And uh, just researching, studying, different things like that. And a company that I worked with previously, a publishing company, so that connects to my writing roots, was sure. developing an interactive um, app for their published works. And they needed someone to come lead that. So they asked me to come do that because I'd always been just like, Out of the box with my creativity, always thinking about different ways to um, incorporate technology and different things like that. So that kind of led to me um, moving to Colorado, where I live now, and working on uh, developing this interactive published work. So it happened naturally, but it also kind of happened from this place within. um, So it all felt very aligned when that opportunity came up. And then I was in tech from there on out.
1: Did you feel welcomed into the fold or did you did you have to kind of work your butt off to to get that credibility and respect that you deserved?
0: I mean, you know, I think as a woman of color, as a black woman, to be really specific, because we are. The stats are really stacked against us in that that regard. I've always had to to go above and beyond. And I've also I think something that I would really give as advice to other people is I've always honored my experiments and my side projects. I think a lot of times you don't get the opportunities that you really need to grow your skills at work. Even when you get the job, even if you get the job, it's hard. Sometimes it can be challenging to have them give you the responsibilities, to give you the teams, to really lean on you, to really depend on you to, to deliver. And yeah. they're checking a the box by having you there, but they're not necessarily giving you the 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 push that you need right. to like grow your skills. So I've always had side projects. I've always had um, you know, different companies I might create on the side, different things I just experiment with. So so much of the skills I have came from doing those things and honoring them as important. And that was why I was able to grow my skills a lot. I was welcome in a lot of ways, but I was also the first, I was the first black person at the company that I joined. So it was a very yeah. unique experience. Um, well, and so,
1: so one of the things that that I have noticed and like it just being very aware that intersectional identities complicate matters, like every, every identity from you know, I am a woman to I am a a black person to I am gay to I am disabled. Anytime you add an additional identity, you there's an intersectionality that creates complication. And so for every identity, it changes the way the world interacts with you and it changes the way that
0: you interact with the world. Would you would you agree with that? Like I think it definitely layers on uh complexity in terms of your experience, yeah, um, and certainly when you're trying to get something done, I think that's the hardest part about it. If my goal is X, I can't just do whatever the best practice is. I have to be yeah. far more creative, far right. more innovative, and far more persuasive than than everybody else the and The that, playbook and- doesn't apply.
1: Exactly, and that's that. That's kind. Of, that's what I was trying to get. That was perfect. You just set me up here perfectly. Well done. Uh, but you know, so so the point that I wanted to make is the fact that, like, as an only, not only are you entering this environment where your perspective is unique, but you are also ex- the, the level of expectation around you. You become an example. And so I'll Mm. give a, a for instance. So like when I, when I worked in the automotive world, um, I was frustrated a lot and I had, but I couldn't cry in the meetings. Like I was like, if you cry, Lauren Conaway, I will beat you within an inch of your life. Like if you let one tear slip out. And it was because I was very aware that as the only woman on the management team, if I cried. I was going to be the reason that the next woman wasn't hired because women are too emotional and too hysterical. And so I had to be perfect in mm. my emotional regulation. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, mm-hmm. do you, so you're smiling. I see this little smile coming across your face. I feel like you might have some thoughts, Stephanie, what you, what you think?
0: <laughs> I think that's where the rebellion comes in for me. And, yeah. I, and it was, a, it's been a journey. It's just not something that I was like out of the box I mean, it's it's within me, but I had to navigate this world. Um, you know, uh, coming into tech, I had a lot of choices to make quickly. First of all, yeah. I was the first black person at my company, the first. I don't know if yeah. many people know what that's like. Yeah, uh, and the company that I worked at was in boulder which has less than one percent black people so everywhere i went people were just like what are you and what are you about and well and you were operating positive. in places and spaces that were not built for you we're not absolutely never even considered what would happen if i showed up you know yeah. <laughs> like, so that's a lot that is yeah. a lot and it wasn't just at work it was in the town now, i'm from chicago and i moved here so this was like a uh 100% of my environment was now surprised that I was there yeah. all overnight. Um, yeah. So I had a lot of choices to make. And some of those choices included, well, one, how would I wear my hair, uh, which when nobody could do my hair, all of a sudden I was wearing my Afro at work. I had never done that in my life. So that was yeah. new. You know, I talked with a little twang. I got a little sass. I got a little swagger, <laughs> you know, and some of that comes with, you know, my background and how I grew up. I had a choice to make am I going to be like that in these meetings or am I going to uh you know try to assimilate and change up the vibe so that I feel more familiar to people These are all the choices that I had to make very quickly. And I had never really been, I had been confronted with those choices before, but not like that. Not in an environment where I was really excited to be there. This was an industry I wanted to crack into. I was proud of myself for that. But then all of a sudden I got to make all these choices. And I struggled at first. In the end, I decided to be 100% myself. And uh, of course, that's the right idea, whether it welcomes you or not, because then you can be the best version of you because now you're free. There's a percentage of your brain. It definitely seems to
1: go the route of authenticity. And I I, <laughs> I love that for you. And I love that about you. Um, you know, like as you're talking, it's so interesting. Like I'm, I'm aware that we have very different experiences, but there are some pieces of what you're saying that I'm just like, that resonates so hard. I get it.
0: You know? well, it's human. But, yeah, People are used to, everyone has experienced going somewhere and asking themselves the question, should yeah. I be what I think they want? Or should I be what feels like where I'm at right now? And when you're answering that question in real time with things at stake that you care about, it's a real decision. Yeah,
1: it really yeah. is. And I'm I'm so glad that you were confident enough in yourself and you were you were strong enough in your resolve that like that's where you landed. You landed on the side of I'm gonna be me. And I'm going to let the, fall, the chips fall where they may. So, like, so my mm-hmm. mantra around that is what is for me and who is for me is for me and screw everything else. And I don't generally say screw. I generally say F. But <laughs> <laughs> at any rate, <laughs> um, so, so I, I absolutely love that. And I do know, friends, that sometimes when you are looking to be your best self and you're looking to do the things that you're really, really, really good at, uh, sometimes you need a little bit of help. I don't know if you've heard of this great outfit called FullScale, but finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult. It doesn't have to take you away from doing the things that you're good at and the things that are going to bring you to a profitable business. When you visit FullScale.io, you can build a software team quickly and affordably and you can get it off your plate. Use the FullScale platform to define your technical needs and then see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. Visit FullScale.io or click the link in the show notes to learn more. Friends, we are here today with Stephanie LaFlora, CEO of Crown Hunt, and we've been talking, I feel like we've kind of focused a little bit on Stephanie here, and this has been wonderful. I've been, I've loved hearing your takes on authenticity and being real, and we even talked a little bit about code switching in there. You know, We're talking about all kinds of stuff. But I'd like to get into the the tactics and the meat of Crown Hunt. So you have this technology platform. What does the average user, your your customer, experience from Crown Hunt?
0: Yeah, I think that, um, first of all, when people hear what we're doing, uh, stylists, they're always really excited because there are not a lot of opportunities for people to get. Curly Hair Education, um, there are classes that are happening live out there. Uh, they're usually really expensive. People fly across the country to go to these classes and salaries yeah. typically are making, you know, a, a, a average salary, not excessive. So to be able to afford to take a $1,000 class and fly to New York or fly to LA is a lot. So people, first of all, they get something that's much more accessible because now they can take these classes online. Uh, but then also it's taught by experts who have have cred. They've been doing curly hair, curly Coily hair, both textures, um, you know, for twenty years plus. They are educators in their own right. They have live classes, and so we've partnered with these great educators in order to bring uh, these classes to folks. So I think that what they experience is really just, first of all, thank you so much because you've you've actually tackled this problem that's been difficult. But then we're all putting it in one place, and so I think that that helps as well because there's a lot of a la carte options, but being able to actually get the full suite with a single subscription is very rare.
1: Do you, so do you offer certifications?
0: We do. So the certifications happen within the platform as you're um, taking the courses.
1: Okay. Gotcha. And so you're tracking progress, but really what you're doing is you're, you're democratizing access to knowledge. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the important thing. Cause like I, so I, I actually get my hair done at a beauty school cause I'm super cheap. And one of the things that I know is that they're, they're expensive. Like it is not mm-hmm. always easy. Well, and then at, to your point, you know, when people are flying around to access these classes, like you have to, not only are you paying to, for the flight and the hotel and all of that stuff, mm-hmm. but you're also missing out on business. Like often, Mm -hmm. small business owners and estheticians and people who do hair, they're small business owners. Make no mistake. Um, You know, those folks, they have to work really, really, really hard to make that up. They're not operating with a lot of profit margin where they have thousands Mm -hmm. of dollars just laying around to cover expenses for the, you know, three days, week that they're wherever they're at getting their continuing education, and continuing education just as a general deal is really important within the beauty industry, right? You have to be constantly mm-hmm. looking at new tools and new techniques. And so you're actually attacking, you're attacking several different problems <laughs> by attacking this one very, very big problem. Um, so, so I, of course, dig that. What what feedback have you been getting from the estheticians? I know they're excited, but talk to us about how they feel about the actual content, the, um, the techniques and tips and tricks. <laughs>
0: yeah so stylists i think stylists are really um benefiting from just being able to care for hair first of all um because there's a lot of there's techniques and that matters a lot but caring for the hair itself a lot of times when people are coming into the salon they don't actually always know how to care for their own natural hair themselves. So these things that we talked about already, like the Crown Act and just the cultural shifts that are happening in the country, people are actually not chemically straightening their hair for the first time. So they haven't even really had, they haven't gained the skills to care for their own hair even between appointments. So that hair care piece is really critical because people are coming back to stylists who teach them how to care for their hair in between appointments. And so that's some of the feedback that we've gotten is that how important that piece is as well. Um, Another piece is extensions are always really popular. They're popular across the board, all different um, curl types, all different hair types, um, but they often aren't taught how to do different extension um styles uh, mm-hmm. with different textures of hair. So that's another thing that people really have benefited from is being able to learn how to do those cuz those are higher priced um services that people can offer and and so that that one is another.
1: Yeah. Well, I love that and I I'm, I'm really curious about the technology piece now. So we've kind of talked about the learning that you can gain from the platform, but when you were putting together the kind of user experience, when you were trying to figure out what you wanted this tech tool to look like, who were you talking to? What processes were you putting in place? How did you develop the technology Mm -hmm. itself?
0: Yeah, so we got a, a cohort of stylists and educators and hair product creators, actually, together um to really create a map of what are the gaps within the hair experience uh the hair especially the relationship between the consumer and the stylist and that that flow from finding a client to helping them throughout their journey and so that really became the core we actually approached this from a lot of different angles and we have a lot of exciting things to come um, for more solutions for people with curly hair. So we like map that whole thing out. And then we started to work with developers um, to figure out what would be the core MVP product. So we're still very early on. We launched our MVP in February of this year. And so we have, um, you know, that MVP was developed with this core problem in mind, which is educating stylists and then having those core classes. So the technology itself is really um, online education, um, but we are developing more uh, behind the scenes, particularly for consumers to help them get uh, their product and uh, their are finding a stylist problem solved as well.
1: Yeah. How do you, do you test the products yourself? Do you have like the healthiest hair ever? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, I'm going to be real with you. I like to experiment with my hair. I just like do everything. Um, but yes, we, we work with uh, stylists that are testing um, what we do. We also have our courses reviewed from a um, group of stylists that are experts in the field. And so we're constantly learning, evolving uh, everything that we do.
1: Yeah, well, and as a rebel, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna reframe that just a little bit because I believe that you're a rebel, but I really believe that you're an innovator. Like you are the kind of person who's like, how can we make this better, even if it doesn't go along with what we have historically done? And I mm-hmm. love that. But what I want to know is, I, I I'd like to hear a little bit about the industry at large because when I, I I'm gonna be very honest, when I think of the beauty and wellness industry as a whole i don't think of innovation <laughs> that is not the first thing that springs to my mind so so um what are you seeing in the space like are you seeing conversations changing technology adapting like are we are we innovating in beauty and wellness and then my follow-up and i know i'm asking you two questions at once and i'm being a little lazy about it but the follow-up is if you are seeing those changes what do you see coming down the pipeline in the future or what would you like to see so, yeah,
0: I got it. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So the, 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 the industry has changed a lot. What really has propelled it though was 2020. 2020 was a very pivotal year for every industry, but the way that the beauty industry pivoted and got just honestly obliterated was the lack of diversity. Now there was lack of diversity everywhere in all the mm-hmm. industries. We know that, but yeah. beauty, as you just said, is probably one of the least diverse industries it has been for a really long time. It's because beauty and fashion, you know, it got its whole, I feel like a lot of the value in that was acquired through exclusivity. And I don't even mean like different groups of people. I just mean, it just has an exclusive vibe, you know, it's just, yes. that's, that's always been the way it is. So the pivot towards inclusivity is a really, not only is it a cultural shift, but it is so opposite of the way that the beauty industry has, like the ethos of the beauty industry is so opposite of that, like how it's framed, that what's cool about it is that the door is wide open because these different perspectives are such a cultural shift in the DNA of the big power players within the beauty industry. That is a ripe time for startups and for um, just new ideas to come in because they're scrambling to figure out how to be what people want. Right. Well, there's a lot of other people who've been on the sidelines that They're have been already wanting.
1: Want. It's just a matter <laughs> of highlighting them, making sure. Right. Them
0: <laughs> so, so it's actually a really cool time. So some of those, there's a lot of technology that's happening in the hair industry. Um, uh, things like how do you create a better consumer experience? How do you have um, hair products that are more for different hair types target Ulta Sephora have been opening the doors and letting in a lot more diverse products on their shelves and a mm-hmm. lot more companies have been getting um the sales that they've always deserved because of those doors being open yeah. so I think that this is this is a really ripe time for disruption and yeah. I think that the owners Of this industry and the stakeholders are changing dramatically as well in terms of diversity. So I think it's a really fun time um, and it's long overdue and I'm looking forward to seeing a lot more players at the table and I'm looking forward to more consumer driven experiences because the hair industry and the fashion, the beauty industry has really been about who decides what beauty is and how they can make everybody else, you know, buy the stuff. And it's just like that's whack and we don't like that anymore. (laughs) Yeah.
1: yeah, Well, and I just, you know, I, as you're talking, like, I'm very excited because I'm like, okay, here is a beauty expert, like an industry expert. And she's telling me that things are getting better and things are getting, so I'm very excited. But I do, I just think it's really important to note that the reason we're having this conversation at all, and the reason that this conversation is so important to have is like, It's still notable when major runway shows at fashion week feature diverse models. It Mm -hmm. is still notable. So I use um, Fenty beauty for my uh, foundation or Mm -hmm. I guess my concealer. I don't, I don't really know the difference. I'm going to be honest. The thing I put on my face, uh, but I use Fenty beauty because a, it's led by Rihanna who's a woman of color. But one of the things that was so noticeable about her Fenty beauty brand is that she rolled out, so many different skin tones. Like she was one of the first companies who instead of doing like five or six different skin tones rolled out like 30. So Mm -hmm. the fact that, so that women of color in particular, but any women of any kind of, um, I guess, complexion could find a product that matched what they needed, you know? And so mm-hmm. like, historically people had to like mix foundations in their palm to like make it match. And so like these things, these, these inclusive practices and these inclusive companies and like this inclusive lens is still pretty new and mm-hmm. it's still pretty notable when you see companies doing it right. Right representing their audience as their audience actually is rather than what they think it is or want it to be which is typically affluent white women <laughs> right mm-hmm. so so I just I find it like I think what you're doing and what you're talking about it's really really exciting and I'm so glad that we're here but I'm also so glad that there are people like you who are ready to like take us further because we still have a long way to go mm-hmm. right
0: <laughs> yeah we absolutely do. And I, I think that there's a lot of folks entering this space. And I, one of the things that I um, really hope for Crown Hunt to be able to do is surface the consumer need and yeah. the consumer desires. Because I think that at the end of the day, that's what every, every business in this industry, that's their goal is to really make the right things for the consumers to have an enjoyable experience. And yeah. so I think that Crown Hunt will start to surface up what do the, the consumers want? What is this data? Where are we missing the mark? And, and be able to show that. So that's some of the stuff that we're hoping to do soon.
1: Yeah. Well, so, so speaking to that future growth, that's kind of the, the philosophical bent, but tactically. Um, so what markets are you looking to enter? What, who's, how are you finding your target customer? How are you reaching your customers? And where do you see that leading you in the future?
0: Yeah. So recently we entered into a partnership with a hair product company called Anasi out of Chicago, and they offer a lot of curly coily hair products. What was really uh, significant about that partnership is it does a couple of things that is really important in industry. One, um, hairstylists that serve curly coily customers have not been able to um, have this revenue stream of selling products the way that other stylists has have had the average salon had they make 15% of their revenue from selling hair products but those companies that have those models have not offered curly hair products. So that has left a whole bunch of people without being able to add that revenue stream. Our partnership allows for hairstylists across the country to now add these products to their shelves and they work great on curly hair to be able to actually add this revenue streams for for themselves. So that's like an example of something that uh, we've done recently. And then we're also looking to continue to really make life easier for people with curly hair by creating, uh, resources for them to find out, you know, how to style their hair, what products to use, what stylists near them can actually, um, style their hair. That's some of what we have to come, um, in the new year.
1: Yeah. Well, so talk to us a little bit about, um, your, I want your best advice, like understanding that not every founder out there is going to start a beauty related tech platform, you know, like we, we, we know, but there are some things like, what advice would you get, give to the entrepreneurs out there, the potential founders or folks who are trying to build and scale the, scale their business? What advice would you give them looking to enter, uh, enter a new market?
0: Oh gosh. Okay. Well, <laughs> what
1: but no, Are you just like, well, okay. I have 20 million things I want to say right now. I know. I'm like, okay.
0: <laughs> I would say that my, my best advice would be spend as much time with the customer as humanly possible. That is probably the best advice that I can give. Talk to them over and over again. Whatever you have, if you have a MVP, if you have a drawing, if you have whatever, you need to be talking with customers all the time or potential customers about is this thing solving their core problem? And if not why? And and if so, you know, like okay, then what else do we need to do? So, I think that's probably my biggest advice and then the other piece I would give, I always give this because founders of color are always looking for funding. Last year, Crown Hunt was one in a hundred female Black-owned businesses to receive venture capital funding. So <laughs> when it comes to telling your story, you need to be able to really have a tight pitch, understand the market size and how you are going to dominate that market and be Freaking brave, okay? Forget who doesn't get this money. Get out there and get the money anyway. Yeah. You know, like don't don't
1: cure the bag, babies.
0: <laughs> you know, just but also find ways to to have funding with or without venture funding. Yeah. Always have the backup. So, well, and I mean, this statistic has been mentioned on the show before, but it, it's absurd.
1: Two percent, 2.2% of venture capital funding goes to female founders. 0. 000, so there, I think there might even be a few more zeros in there, but 0.0006% goes to companies founded by women of color. And so there are deep inequities in there. So yeah, like, Let's not rely, put all of our eggs in the VC basket. Um, but no, I think that that is very, very core, valuable advice. And thank you so much for sharing it. So we have come up to the human question. And I have one. Actually, all right. Yep, I have one. Here it comes. What are
0: your pet peeves? Uh, my you, pet you seem pretty chill. I am <laughs> very chill. <laughs> Yeah. I am, that is the truth. This is me every day, even on the yeah. worst day. That's really how I am. <laughs> um, I would say my pet peeve is people who don't want to try new things. Yeah. Like, oh. food, n- go to new places, new hairstyle, new whatever. Like, like, I'm <laughs> I'm a very adventurous person. Like, that's my DNA. So, trying new things is the thing. So, if I'm interacting with somebody, if I hang out with somebody, not being willing to try new things, I'm just like, come on. What is life? Yeah,
1: I'm done with you. Wash my hands of it. <laughs> Uh, no, I, that is awesome. And, uh, I'll tell you what, if you ever come to Casey, we're hanging out
0: because
1: <laughs> I, I feel like we would have a good time just kind of leading each other blindly and doing crazy things. Uh, but I got to tell you, Stephanie, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. It was really, really fun learning about your journey. And I, I, I'm so proud of you and I hope this doesn't sound condescending, but I'm so proud of you and I'm so proud of crown hunt. You're doing some really, really cool stuff.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was a joy to share about it.
1: Awesome. All right, friends, I've got to remind you one more time that today's episode of full or today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Full Scale. If you need to hire software engineers, testers or leaders, Full Scale can help. They have the people and the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts. When you visit FullScale.io, all you need to do is answer a few questions and then let the platform match you up with fully vetted, highly experienced software engineers, testers, and leaders. At FullScale, they specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you. Learn more when you visit FullScale.io. Friends, thank you so much for coming back and listening to us week after week. We are extraordinarily grateful. It is a joy to put uh, to put this show on for you. And we want to keep doing it. So keep on coming back and we'll catch you next time.
0: Startup hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button. Then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.